So we're reading from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 13 to 20. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but, at, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always keep up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. But, brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did, again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, it'd be great if you can uh, keep that open, that part of uh, 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to pray for us as we come and have a look at it. Uh, God, we once again want to thank you so much for the way that you are um, ascending, God, who sent out your Son and you've given us your word. You've sent that out to us as well and you give us your spirit as well. And Father, we just pray, please, that in this time when we focus in on your word, Lord, that you'd really speak to us and change us. We, we want to be more conformed to you, that we might love the things you love and think the things you think, the things you tell us are true, and that we might be more like Jesus. We pray that for your glory and for our eternal joy. Amen. I just want to say thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Uh, thanks for uh, partnering with us. Uh, we really do have a great sense of being on mission together with Church by the Bridge. Uh, seeing all the you know, events that are coming up um, where church is on mission is a great thing. And uh, we're going to be praying for those things, uh, my family. Um, but then also we're going to be over here doing our thing in Namibia and you guys are praying for us. And we're just stoked, you know, to be on, on mission with the church uh, because we are all on mission, aren't we? We're all on mission as, as God's people. And, and that's what they always say in a mission sermon. We're all on mission. And you know what everyone feels? Guilty. <laughs> I should be doing more. The, the two things you can talk about to make someone feel really guilty, a Christian, is mission and prayer. How's your prayer life? I should be praying more. Every time. Same with mission. Hopefully, friends, this will be a little different. I hope. I hope to be uh, encouraging, to encourage you about the investment we can make today being on mission with the Lord Jesus uh, for that last day, uh, I hope to excite you about mission. I really do. But we'll see how we go. For we need to be reminded, don't we, friends? We need to be reminded of the goodness of mission, that we are on mission. Because we're so easily distracted. There's just so much in life that just makes us busy. Here's the thing, right? Uh, we believe the world is lost without Jesus. God has done something wonderful in giving us his son, and we have life in him. And he's entrusted his word to us to share with the world. It's the most important thing in the world. You're all with me so far? You believe in Jesus? You're with me? Yeah? But we're too busy to do anything about it. Right? We're just distracted. We've got other stuff to do. We've got to do the washing. 
Was that just me? The other day, recently, this is, this is, this is terrible. I don't know if you should be supporting me, but anyway, I, maybe I shouldn't tell the story. I'm going to tell the story. Right, I'm, I'm so busy preparing myself for mission that, that I can't actually engage in mission. I get distracted from engaging. And I'm sitting in a, at a train station. I'm reading a book on Revelation because that's what I'm going to be teaching on. I'm preparing for mission. Someone comes to talk to me. I could talk to them about Jesus. But what's in my head? Go away. I'm busy preparing for mission. I don't want to talk to you. This is crazy, friends. We know it's so important that we can be so distracted by many good things. So we need to be reminded from God's word about, about mission, about his big picture. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're in a series on 1 Thessalonians, and, and I'm going to gently shoehorn that into a mission sermon, um, which is very easy to do because the Bible's all about mission. Um, so here we go, three points. The word of God is at work, suffering for Jesus and the word, the glory of the work. First thing, the word of God is at work. Please look down at your books at verse 13. Verse 13. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed in, at work in you who believe. So Paul's really thankful that when he went to Thessalonica and preached to them, uh, they heard the word of God addressing them. They heard God's word. Quick highlights reel of the word of God. Let's start at the beginning. Let there be light. Bang, there's light. That was what the word of God did. Next thing. Uh, let there be lights in the sky. Sun, moon, stars, galaxies. That's, that's what God's word does. Lazarus, come out. The dead man rises. New life. Friends, this is what the word of God does. Powerfully brings new life. And Paul says, that word of God is at work. that exciting. The powerful, life-giving word of the eternal, uncreated God is at work in us if we believe in Jesus. And here's the other thing. How did uh, that word come to the Thessalonians? They're out walking in a field one day, and a big voice came from a cloud. No, that wasn't it. They were lying in bed at one night, and a still, soft voice came into their heart. That wasn't it either. Look again, verse 13. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us. Now, you could skip over that, but that's pretty profound, isn't it? A man, Paul, spoke. Human words, right? Just He just spoke. What did people hear? What did they receive? The word of the eternal God, the powerful, life-giving word. Creature spoke, word of the creator is received. Life comes, eternally dead, lost. They hear the word of God, and they're alive eternally in glory. That's, that's incredible. Here's the next point. Could you do that? Could you do that? Like, speak? And people actually receive the word of God and come to life? Could you do that? Could God use you to actually speak through you? Why not? If we have a strong faith, why not? Speak. 
and people may hear the word of God address them, and they may come from death to life, especially if you speak Bible words, tell people the stories of the Bible, read the Bible with them, bang. It may happen. Death, life. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, oh, Dan, you're clearly very passionate about this, but I don't quite see it. You know, I don't see it working out in reality. Open your eyes, friends. You know, this last week, just in the week gone by, at church by the bridge here, at least one person I know of heard the word of God, submitted to it, and moved from death to life. New creation. Well, let's go around the world. I've heard from one mission agency in the, working in the Arabic-speaking world that they are seeing a conversion to Christ every six, what is it? Seconds. Let's go to France. A new evangelical church every 10 days. Spain every three days. Friends, this is what's happening. The God who spoke his word and creation came into existence, life came into existence, that God's still speaking. And he's speaking through people like you and me. All those Christians in France, where, who, who told them about Jesus? People did. But God, the eternal God, spoke through them and brought people to life. Why not you? Here's the application. Open your mouth. And let's pray for each other that we'd open our mouths. I need those prayers. I'm so excited to hear, I don't know if you're aware of this, but apparently during this year at Church by the Bridge, everyone here is, we're hoping that you will learn your story of how you became a Christian, your testimony. It's a great way to talk to people about Jesus, start a conversation. My wife did it last night. It's great. Let me just, let's just take a moment and just pause and actually think, all right, who could I speak to this week? Who's in your life? I, I, I'm just going to pause for a second. Who could you speak to this week? Work, family, neighbor, friend? Just say hi. You could say something about Jesus. Anyone? Got someone? Good. I, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you that you have given us such a privilege that we can speak your word and people can actually hear you. They can actually hear a word of life and come to life in your son, Jesus. And so, Lord, I do pray for my brothers and sisters here and for myself that we would have a chance this week that you'd so arrange circumstances that we can speak about you grace, Lord, we do pray that you would, through our words, address people and bring them to life. Amen. It's not the end of the sermon. I'm sorry. I've got good things to say, though, so hopefully that's all right. Because there's a very important question that we're left with here, a very important question that, that Paul asks, and that is this. How does he know? He says, I'm very thankful that God's word is at work among you. How does he know God's word is at work among you? We're about to go to Namibia. We're going to get students come from all over the country saying they're Christians. How do we know? Heaps of Namibians say they're Christians. Many of them aren't. What's the evidence? What are we looking for? Well, let's make it a little more personal. How about you? How do you know that God's word is at work in you? 
I wonder, do you ever think just quietly in, in your own mind, am I just faithful? Am I legit? You'll admit that I do. I think I am. Yeah. So what's the evidence? What do we look for? I wonder if uh, the Thessalonians, actually, I think the Thessalonians were probably asking themselves a similar sort of question. Because if you remember the story that um, Paul came and he was only with them for three weeks, uh, he preached the gospel, started a church, and then got chased out of town. Now the church that left you may well be thinking, what just happened? Like, are we, is this it? Are we the real deal? Is this what happens? And they've got reasons to doubt that they're the real deal. They're suffering. The Jews are saying to them probably things like, you know, Paul, he didn't tell you the truth about, about God's word. But we're the God's word people, and he, he didn't get it right. So they've got plenty of reasons to doubt. Are, are we generally the people of God? Is God's word at work in us? And so Paul gives them uh, an evidence. There's lots of things we could point out and say, yes, God's word is at work in you. But here's one, an unmistakable one, which is our next point. And that is suffering for Jesus and the word. Look with me at verse 14. This is evidence for how he knows that God's word is at work in them. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea. That's the homeland. They're the real deal. Which are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, they're legit. And you became imitators of them. In what way? Here we go. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews. That's the evidence. They suffered from their own people. Now, that might not sound like an evidence that you are a legit child of God. In fact, when we go to Namibia, there's many um, prosperity gospel preachers who will say to our suffering brothers and sisters, hey, God's people, God's children walk in victory. They don't suffer. You're not legit. What does Paul say? Totally the opposite. He says, you look down through history, and what do you see? The legit children of God, the people of God, suffering at the hands of their countrymen, of their own people. He says, you look at the churches in Judea, and it's happened that the Jews are persecuting them. And then look on at verse 15. Verse 15, he says, the Jews also killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. You see what he's saying? Are you suffering from, from your own people? You're in very good company. You're in very good company. Lord Jesus, it happened to him as well. And so let me just bring it to us for a moment. How do you know the word of God is at work in us at Church by the Bridge? Plenty of it, good evidences. But what about this one? Are we suffering from our own people, the Sydney sites? Some of you may be saying, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I try to speak up for Jesus and I get shut down. I get excluded, I get sidelined, I get made to feel like some kind of unscientific, foolish bigot. What does Paul say? You're in good company. You're in very good company. And he would say, I thank God for you. I don't thank God necessarily for your suffering, but I thank God that his word is at work in you. But perhaps, um, like me, might be thinking, no, I don't suffer for Jesus very much, actually. Could be all sorts of reasons for that. God's just blessing you with a season of peace. Praise God. Make the most of it. But it might be actually something else. It might be 
like is often the case today. They were just not standing up for Jesus. Not speaking to him, not identifying with him. Too afraid that you might get excluded, you might get sidelined, they might think you're a fool. Well, guess what, friends? The king of the world got sidelined. They thought he was a fool. He got beaten and mocked. He's our king. We're his people. We might have to wear a little bit of that, hey? I want to urge you to step forward and actually open your mouth. I want to do it myself. And maybe God will speak through us. But let's not be afraid of sharing in Christ's sufferings. I'll tell you, actually, when I do that, I actually generally feel more alive and more joyful, even if it goes badly, and more convicted that actually, you know what? I'm actually a child of God, legit. His word's actually at work in me. Um, let me tell you about uh, Mike. Mike was a CMS missionary in Germany. He um, was ministering amongst um, refugees coming out of the Middle East. And he had one young guy uh, named Roya, who was from Afghanistan, who was a believer. And he lived in a house uh, with 69 other uh, Muslim guys, um, and let's just say um, he suffered from his own people. Uh, it was very difficult for him. He, I won't go into the details. It was very hard. Um, but one day he came to Mike and he said, uh, Mike, would you pray with me for, I can't remember his name, a guy, a particular guy. He said, he beats me. He beats me. Oh, he beats me. But I think he's getting pardoned. So he prayed for him. He became a, a believer in Jesus. And Mike began to gather these young converts and train them as to how to share Jesus with the people in their lives. And they'd go out and they'd share Jesus with people. And they'd come back, they'd report in. Mike said, how'd, how'd it go, how'd it go? And he said that very often the response would be, well, I got beat up. But it was great. And Mike, well, he didn't thank God that they were getting beat. But he was so thankful. He expressed this very clearly. He was very thankful that God's word is so clearly at work in these young people. God's word is at work in this world, brothers and sisters. But it often results in suffering. His word is often shared through suffering. Well, that's points one and two. Uh, the third thing is this. It is a glorious book. It's a glorious book. Let's just go back to Thessalonica for just one more moment of context. We heard a moment ago that uh, there might have been some anxiety amongst the believers in Thessalonica, thinking, are we really legit? Are we really legit? Paul's kind of spoken to that. But there's another issue going on, and that's this. What's the deal with Paul? I mean, Paul, he kind of turned up, he did his thing, and then he just left. And he's never come back. Has he forgotten about us? Does he not care? just kind of over us and moved on? Well, let's read. Let's hear what Paul has to say in verse 17. But, brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did, again and again. But Satan blocked our way. See what he's saying? Guys, I didn't forget you. I feel very connected to you. I feel very close to you. Liv and I have kind of been reminded of that as we've come back to church by the bridge after a couple of months away and just seeing dear brothers and sisters. This is a beautiful connection. I, I hope you've tasted that at some point in church. 
this connection to go beyond what the world offers. But Paul, he's just a, he's kind of a step above this kind of like, oh, we have a friendly, uh, a kind of a, a, a soft, gooey connection with each other, right? He's intense. You hear that language? We made every effort. We, we, again and again, he dearly wants to see you. Why, why is that? Again, let's read on a little bit. Verse 19, we'll read on. He says, for what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. I love the way Paul sees things. You know, if, if he actually could, could see what the, the church in Thessalonica with his own eyes, what would he see? A, a kind of a pathetic house church full of uncertainty. But, but he sees them in a sweeter light. He, he thinks ahead to the day of the Lord Jesus when he will be standing before Jesus. And who's there? It's the church in Thessalonica. Oh, he knows they'll be there. But they're suffering for Jesus' sake. They're legit. There they are. And how did they get there? Oh, it's because of Paul. I mean, it was all God's work. But he was very much involved. And Paul is overwhelmed by the privilege of that, by what it means for him. Because I don't know if you've tasted a little bit of that over the said a moment ago, it's been nice to come back and kind of see old friends and there's a connection. That's lovely. But what Paul's talking about here is just taking it to a whole new level. I had the privilege 30 minutes ago to see Darren outside. Um, I don't know, a year ago, I started meeting with Darren and sharing Jesus with him and praying for him. And there he is, still trusting in the Lord. What a joy. Fast forward, fast forward, I don't know how long, tomorrow, maybe a thousand years, who knows. Fast forward to the day of the Lord Jesus. And there I am, standing before Jesus. Guess who's there? Darren. Darren's there. And he's been absolutely transformed by the glory of our God. C.S. Lewis once said, if we could see, I'll put it in personal terms, if you and I today could see what Darren is going to be like on that day, we would be strongly tempted to bow down and worship him. But there's Darren, and I'm going to say to the Lord Jesus, Jesus, look at what you've done with Darren. That's unbelievable. You, look at what your word did in him. And you used me to make that happen. You actually used me. Wow. God. Thank you. Friends, in this world, we so often seek for significance, what will make us a significant person or a shiny kind of person, you know. These are kind of different ways of saying glorious, actually. It means shiny, significant, weighty. Friends, this is what will make us shiny, significant, weighty on that day. Oh, how I wish I could live my life every day with the day of the Lord Jesus right before my eyes. Peel back the curtain of heaven and let me see how things really are every day. Because to be honest, friends, you know what I do? I chase after the things of this world, the glories of this world, the shiny things of this world. But I don't want to stand before Jesus on the last day and say, hey, Jesus, look at my glorious house. No, nope, that's not glorious. Um, 
look at my job. No, eh, he's not. No. Look at my body, my fit. Actually, I've been transformed like everyone else. That's good. Um, Jesus, I retired at 45. No, no, that's not going to do it. No, friends, on that day, you know what I want to do? I want to point at people and say, oh, my goodness, God, look, look at these people that you allowed me to be involved. You allowed me to be involved in their lives. People from Sydney and Namibia standing in glory, brought from death to life partly because of me. By God's grace and his empowerment that I was willing. Oh, friends, I just want to urge you not to sell out for the glory of this world. Go further. Aim higher. What am I saying? I'm just saying what Ed was saying before. Let's play our part in God's mission. It's the most wonderful, brilliant, biggest thing that's happening in the universe, and we're involved. So let's play our part. How do we do that? It starts with a mind shift. A mind shift to say, you know what? What's the big thing in my life? What's the big thing in this world? It's actually what God's doing. And he's rescued me. It's living for him and for his kingdom. Quick example, I met with a guy this week from 5.30 Church, and he was telling me he's, he's looking for a new job, and he thought, I could easily become a contractor, but if I do that, I'm going to meet different people every day. Well, but what I want is to meet the same people day by day, build relationships so I can share Jesus. You see, it's not a particular thing he did, it's a mind shift. He's on mission. But more concretely, what might it look like? Concretely. I've said, let's speak. Yes, let's speak. Let's open our mouths. Absolutely. May God speak through us. But it can look like many other things as well. Support the Barclays. Pray for us. Get involved in, in all these ideas of mission we've seen on the screen. Church is running so many good things. Mission in our community. Get involved, friends. I, I said before, um, who is one person you could talk to this week? Let me just broaden that out and ask a slightly different question. What is one thing you could do this week to step into mission a little more? You might be really engaged. You might not be engaged much at all. What's one decision you can make to step in a little more? Giving a little more money. Getting engaged in one of, one of the things the church is doing. So many things. If you want ideas, come and talk to Ed or James or Paul or someone. Plenty of ideas. But I'm going to actually just pause now and give you a moment just to think for a moment on how you, might, how you might play your part a little more. Remembering the great day of the Lord Jesus. What investment might you make today for that day? For you will, you will not be disappointed in your reward from investing. Not on that day. Take a moment to think. I'll invite the band up and I'll pray in a moment.